Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Well, good morning. I'd like to say that I've missed you, but here's the cool thing about something that Pastor Sean just said a few minutes ago, is that even though my family and I were on a vacation this past week on a road trip, uh, we still got to participate with the Life of Refuge because we were able to tune in even from the far distance that we were at in Montana. And so it's good to, I guess, be back with you, but I've been here all along, right? That's the interesting thing about this whole thing. But thank you, worship team. Beautiful songs this morning. I love what has happened in the Life of Refuge. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles, grab one, whether it's on your phone, you've got a phone app, or if you have one that actually has pages, right, the old school paper version, we'll also have some on the uh, screen behind me. But while you're turning there, and go to Genesis chapter 28, that's where we're going to find our passage of the day this morning. Refuge has been a church for a couple years now where we have been tracking with the lectionary readings and the liturgical calendar. Those are big L words. I know many of you are like, what are those? So the lectionary and the liturgical calendar basically has been in existence for centuries, and it has been in a, in a, uh, given the church an ability to mark throughout the calendar uh, the certain points of the life of Jesus, as well as celebrating the other parts of Scripture. And so every single week, there are four passages that are chosen for a specific Sunday. And a church like us here in the city of Orange, in Orange County, California, will also be dealing with the same scripture that churches all around the world will be dealing with. And so there's an Old Testament passage, there's a New Testament passage, there's a gospel reading, and then there's a psalm reading. And so each week as a leadership team, as we consider what it is that we want to speak about on a Sunday, whether people are here in the building or if they're watching online like you are, uh, we have an opportunity to open up God's word and consider what is it that he wants to say to us today. And so Genesis 28 is the Old Testament passage. And while you're turning there, I also want to remind you, if you have kids in your house, if they're in elementary, junior high, and high school, I, I firmly believe they can track with today's scripture passage. It's a super fun Old Testament passage that I just want to kind of read with you, as well as just point some things out that I've been ruminating on this past week, which again is just a fun word to say when you've been on a road trip. You're like, I get to ruminate about a lot of things because we've been driving long distances and there's a lot of nothing out there when you go through places in the desert like California, places like Utah, etc. Um, but I want you to turn there. So again, if you have kids in your house, you can follow along. If you have younger ones, we put resources online, and I think Pastor Nikki talked about that earlier. If you go to our website, refugeoc.com forward slash church at home, there are going to be all kinds of videos that will be tailored to specific age groups and categories, even some downloadable materials that they can follow along and have a lesson of their own for today. But Genesis 28 is where we're at. But before I begin and jump into this sermon, if you'll let me, I have been having some thoughts because this is a time period for us that is unlike any other. It's different for you. It's different for me. It's different for refuge. It's different for, it's safe to say, the world. But it's in times like these that even though we are a church that's only five years old, we just turned five just a couple of months ago, been thinking about our vision and our mission that grounded us and rooted us from the beginning just a few years ago. And we have been committed to a bunch of things. One of our marquee features when we started Refuge, we knew full well that the building is never going to become our vision. 
And that has been pretty key to us all along the way. If you have been a part of Refuge for any amount of time, or perhaps you're just checking in us out today, you, I want to kind of share with you that our, our storyline for the past few years, we have moved to different places based upon where God has led us. And so it's never been about a place where we meet. It's always been about this group of people that are committing themselves to the move of Jesus. And so that's one marquee feature about Refuge. Secondly, our vision statement is committed to the act of we want to introduce people and reintroduce people to a better vision of God. That has marked us from the beginning. That has guided us all along because we know full well that there's a lot of people beyond refuge that haven't connected with God in a long time or ever. And so every time that we gather, we want to make sure that we have an opportunity to connect people to God. It's not about me. It's not about our worship team. It's not about our other pastors or our leadership team here. It's about getting out of the way and allowing you a chance to connect with God. And so that has really driven my thoughts over this past week as we consider this shifting landscape that we find ourselves in with coronavirus and the realities there, as well as the cry for social justice and, and, and the like right now in our community and the world. And if you'll let me, and, and I, I don't want to get on a, I don't want to like have a bully pulpit in this moment because one of the books I read this past uh, couple of weeks on our road trip was a book about um, Teddy Roosevelt, who was often one of our presidents who was accused of having a bully pulpit. That was a description about him. I don't want to have that moment right now, but I do want to share some thoughts that have been kind of swirling in my head the past few days in terms of this time period that we have. And, and to be real honest, if I can really appeal to you, because in a lot of ways I'm going to be speaking to the choir in this moment, because people who are tuning in for church, for the most part, are people who've already been on mission with Jesus and God for a while. And if you're checking us out for the first time, perhaps you're getting a, a sense of our heartbeat and our passion here at Refuge. But for us, we don't want this time period that we're in, this coronavirus time period that we're in, this COVID reality, to be anything other than an opportunity to share the love of Jesus. And, and you're like, yeah, that's a nice thought, Brenton, but what do you really mean by that? How can you unpack that further? And if I can, I'd love to unpack it with, like, you saw me wear a mask when I came up here today. We're trying to be very intentional about the ways that we respond, like you, to what's happening in our world. And this is not a left issue or a right issue. It's not a Republican issue, a Democrat issue. For us, as committed followers of Jesus, we want to make sure that we exhibit Christ's love wherever we go and what we do. And right now, the people who aren't a part of church anywhere are really concerned about this time period that we're in. And so I think we lose our opportunity to share God's love with power if we just fall into the fray of considering, oh, it's just one way or the other. It's just a right issue or a left issue. And I also want to speak to people who, and I've been hit up, and I might be the only one, and I'm going to go on record here, but I don't even want to make this an issue about First Amendment rights, because it's not. The church has not stopped. Interestingly enough, we have expanded our footprint all around the world. I just did a cursory look before I walked on stage right now. We have people coming and joining us for church right now at Refuge from other states. There's Washington and Arizona and Texas being represented this morning. Who knows who else is watching? If you're watching from another state, heck, drop it in the comments. Let us know. But for us, we want to be committed to sharing good news beyond us. And if we just simply make it like, oh, it's a conspiracy theory or, oh, you, you know, this is against the church, because it's not. 
I have spent the last couple of weeks thinking about this. It's not just the churches, everybody. Like restaurants, you can't go to restaurants the same way anymore. NFL, NBA, MLB, they're all shut down. Schools are considering how it is that they return to real life in this coming fall. And it's not going to look like it always has. So this time period that we're in is not an attack on the church, if I can be so bold to say that. But I also want us to have a, a genteel humbleness for us as followers of Jesus that would say, in this time period right now, let us be careful not to just find ourselves in the fray. And let us continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the heart of it all for us here at Refuge. And so again, if you've got Genesis 28 pulled open, maybe I've lost you already, but I hope not. But Genesis 28 is where we're finding ourselves this morning. And you're probably wondering, why are you holding a hiking stick? Like, did you get hurt? Could you not walk up on stage, Brenton? I did get hurt this week. I, I really hurt my finger. Uh, nine stitches later, and if you'd like some pictures, I can show them. Text me later, and I'll, I'll show you. They're kind of gory. Um, but no, I, I brought this hiking stick because this is actually my son's hiking stick. My daughter has one as well. And over the past few years, we've made it a mission of ours that where we go visit special places that you can go hike and experience nature, the grand of the outdoors, national parks, and beyond, my kids have begun adding these little hiking medallions to their stick. And I think there's an image that you can even see on your screen in front of you what this looks like. And every place has a story. Every place marks where we have been. And I don't carry this stick um, just because I can't walk up here. I carry this stick because it has a great connection to the story in Genesis 28 that we're in today. And so Genesis 28 is where we find ourselves. I hope you have turned there, and we're going to begin in verse 10. And again, if you've got elementary, junior high, high school kids, I really think they can track right now with what's happening. It's a super fun story. And again, we're going to begin in verse 10. So here we go. Genesis 28, verse 10 and following. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. The descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. What a dream. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, and catch this, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. And that's the end of the story where we'll read today. That's the lectionary portion that we read from Genesis. Jacob is at this certain place 
goes to sleep on a stone. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place where you've got nothing of comfort around you and you've got a stone for a pillow? And he has this vision, and he sees this stairway, and perhaps this was the inspiration for Led Zeppelin and the stairway to heaven, but he sees this stairway, and he sees angels ascending and descending. And a question that was posed to me years ago was, if the angels are ascending and descending, where is it that the angels reside? They reside here. God's presence, known by his, his people, his angels, his servants, are actually here, not just up there. And God stands at the top and speaks to Jacob what he yearns to hear, a commitment of the promise that has already been given to the forebears of Jacob, right? His dad, Isaac, and his grandfather, Abraham. And then when he wakes, he has this moment. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. The cool thing about this uh, road trip that I took with my family is we saw some amazing sights. We saw things that we've never seen before. We saw Devil's Tower in Wyoming. We got to see the beauty of the creation of, of Mount Rushmore and its grandeur. And then on our route home, after having spent some time with friends in Montana, we got to kind of peer into Yellowstone. We got to see Old Faithful. And I think I've got a picture I want to share with you of our family with the Yellowstone Canyon behind us and the great waterfall that's there. And in those places, to be real honest, those places, it is easy to see God's fingerprints and even to sense his presence. And for some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You escape the city or perhaps the suburbs to get to the places of nature because it's in those places that you see God. You go to the shore, you go to the beach, and you see how the waves go out and come back in again. And you ask the questions, much like Job was asked in the Old Testament, how does this happen? How in the world does this get put into place? You step into Yellowstone, or perhaps you drive by the Grand Tetons. You go see the grandeur of what's out there. Some of you in California, you love to go to Yosemite, and you know exactly that moment when you go through the tunnel, and then the tunnel view emerges, and you see the entire valley. You see Bridalvale Falls. You see Half Dome in the distance. You see El Capitan right before you. And in those places, you can't help but see God. But my question much like the question that gets asked from this story of Jacob who's experiencing this moment, is what do you do when you're in a place, a certain place, an unknown place, just a regular place? Do you have the eyes to see God in those moments? All right, and we've got to step back from the story to really understand what's really happening here because for Jacob, he's not just on a quick little road trip himself. He doesn't have a car to drive. He can't rent a camel. He's just on a trip out of town. My question is always, why? Where is he going? We were told that he's left Beersheba and is heading to Haran, which is a distance of 50-plus miles, scholars would say, based upon the, 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 the landscape of the Old Testament that we know. But what's happened in the story? Why is it that Jacob wants to get out of town? Well, because he stole something. Jacob is an interesting character. We know the story of the Old Testament. You get the story of Abraham and Isaac, and you get to Jacob, and he's listed, but he shouldn't have been. His older brother Esau is the one who should have been listed. But Esau doesn't get in the book anymore. He's, his story is told. But right before we get to this portion of the story, the chapter before, and the setup is even chapters before that, is that Jacob steals the birthright and the blessing of his older brother because he, he's, he connives, right? He kind of pursues a little bit of an evil way to get his way. 
And with the help of his mom, he is able to figure out how, oh, dad's blind these days. He can't see anymore. He's talking about his dad, Isaac. And he kind of puts on a costume, kind of even puts animal skin over his own skin so that when his dad reaches out to bless him, and even though he is blind and can't see, he feels the furriness of his son's skin, which is the animal skin. He's like, oh, this is my son Esau. And Jacob in the moment is like, yeah, sure, dad, it's Esau. And Esau gets the blessing, and, and Isaac does the blessing ceremony. And then he leaves, and Esau, the older brother who should have received it, comes back in, his dad, hey, are you going to bless me? And he's like, I already did. And Esau, you know, probably was asking, hey, dad, that was a fake. That was, you know, that was Jacob. That's Jacob being Jacob. He always does this. And Isaac says, sorry, son, I have already given my blessing to him. I cannot take it back and give it to you. And Jacob knows full well what this means for his relationship with his brother. It's over. It's canceled. He's got to hightail it out of town. And so Jacob, that's why he leaves town. That's why he's on his way. He is on his way ultimately to find safety away from his brother. He's also in pursuit of a wife. And you'll figure out how that story plays out in the next couple of chapters. And it's fascinating. But this one has always caught me. This story, when he sleeps on a stone, he sees this vision of this stairway and the angels ascending and descending. He sees God and God recommits himself. And what's fascinating to me is that even though Jacob had ulterior motives and didn't do things so well, probably could be called into a court if he was in our modern day. Even if Jacob was evil in that moment, God still proclaimed grace over him. And that's really helpful to a guy like me because the moments I am aware of my issues, the moments I am aware of the things in my life that take me away from God and the ways that he's pursuing the best for me, and I constantly put things in place of God, God's like, hey, I still will have grace for you. This is how my life connects to this story. And I'm not sure about you when you come in contact with a story like this, whether it makes sense or not. But the Jacob story is super helpful. But it's also a reminder of God's commitment to his people. Because he says to Jacob, I will keep my promise, even though you have been evil and connived. I will keep my promise to what I said to your grandfather Abraham and to what I said to your dad Isaac. And what's about to happen through you, Jacob, and all the line that comes after you It's all a part of my story that I will help redeem. And the misnomer out there in the world is like when bad things happen, why did God cause this? And I'm here to proclaim once and for all, like if I can say that, because I have to tell myself this all the time, that God is not in the business of causing bad things, but he's in the business of redeeming those bad moments. And he shifts it and he switches it and he reclaims it. Because he's even in the midst of saying, hey, Jacob, even though you had your agenda, I'm going to remind you of my agenda, that I can still use you even though you did this bad thing. And so for Jacob, knowing full well that he can proceed with confidence because God is with him, has an ability to say, okay, God, I'll follow you and I'll trust you. And he takes this stone that was by his head where he slept on. I can't imagine how uncomfortable that was. 
I've got a friend who <laughs> put on Facebook this week. He's like, I'm in a bad situation. I got one of those really cool foam toppers for my bed, and I loved it. I had the best sleep of my, night, my life, but my wife hated it. I'm like, ooh, that's tough. Like, what are you going to do in that moment? Like, she didn't have a good night, but I did. Like, ah. So we know what it's like not to have a good night's sleep. We know what it's like to sleep in a hotel bed that's not comfortable. We know what it's like to be in those moments where even though I can't see God, I want to see his presence and I want to know that he's there. So for you and for me, we are on this journey and we're going different places and God is in the constant midst of trying to proclaim his presence to us. But do we have eyes to see? Do we have eyes to see what God is up to today? And not just what he did for you and for me years ago or weeks ago or months ago. Do we have eyes to see what God's up to this week? Years ago, I'll tell a story from years ago, but then it actually proclaims something for us and this reality for this week. Years ago, I was with a group of students in my former life as a youth pastor, good times. Um, I took a group of students on a missions trip to inner city San Francisco. And we went up there and we served the poor we were in and out of those places and those parts of San Francisco that you don't go to on vacation. It's the places where it's ugly and grimy and smells bad. And we were serving what Scripture often says is the least of these. And we had this, uh, this area director for that part of San Francisco who was guiding our group throughout the week. And every night we would debrief what happened. And there's an exercise that you're probably familiar with, and some of you, if you've had kids or you've got friends in your life, you've done this from time to time, where you'll sit down at a meal and perhaps reflect on what has happened this past day or this past week, and you'll say, like, hey, tell me your highs and your lows, right? You know what this is like. You say, well, here's the low story of the week, but here's the high story of the week. And this person I was with in San Francisco in that moment actually took it up a notch and said, hey, instead of just stopping at highs and lows, let me add one more question. And they actually use this, this quick little phrase. And if you've been around me for years, you know I've used it from time to time. But I feel like this story about Jacob waking up to God's presence is a moment for us to be reminded of, I don't want to just consider the lows of my week or the highs of my week. I also want to consider how have I seen God this week. And so the quick phrase is pow, wow, how? And I know it sounds weird. Those of you who are Batman fans from decades ago, you remember when Batman, like, they would, like, punch and be like, pow. Like, that's the image I get in my mind right now. But the pow, wow, how moment is the pow. Like, how'd you get sucker punched? What's the low of your week this week? What happened that really threw you out of sorts? And that's where you get to, sh you get to share, like, what's the low moment? But the wow moment is that high moment. Like, what happened that just blew you away? This was amazing, right? And there are stories. The pow, the wow, the low to the high. And then the last question is the question that each of us should be asking. It's the question that Jacob woke up to that day in Genesis 28 when he sensed that God's presence was near, is how have you seen God at work this week or this day? And I feel like those questions, if we ask them enough, will give us antenna and eyesight to see that God is up to something in our lives all the time. Most of the time, we miss it. If you're a parent, you know this. Because things just randomly happen that your kids wake up to. Like, oh my gosh, where did we get this food? And you're like, okay, 
let me tell you, like we had to go to the store and we had to go buy it and we went to the restaurant, whatever, and it just happens to appear. And the kids are like, that's amazing. That's a miracle. No, it's not. It's a parent who did something for you. All right, let's just like be real honest about this. But it's the same thing with God. When I wake up to what God has been doing all this time, I am amazed. And I always want to see him at work. I want to see the fingerprints and the evidence of him at work. But most of the time, I'm just focused on my own issues. I only see what's right before me. And I rarely look up. But it's when I look up, as the psalm writer says, I'm able to look up, and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heavens and earth. And that's the challenge for each of us this week. I don't know what you're heading into or what you've come from. I'm not sure what your answers would be on your pow moment, the low moment, what your answer would be to the wow moment. What's the high of your week? But I am curious, what's the how? What's that answer? How have you seen God this week? I don't want these questions to challenge us as we lean into this week and consider where and what God is up to. Let's pray. God, you are amazing. You have created a world filled with such beauty. We can't help but see you in places like the seashore where the waves come in and go out. We can't help but see you in the mountains and the beauty of the trees and the landscapes of the desert and that sweet smell when the rain has come and we're like, we couldn't do any of that, God, but you did. But God, I am pleading with you that you would help each of us find you and see you at work this week in certain places, in the certain kinds of places like Jacob experienced where when he had to lay his head on a rock, he was able to wake up to your presence and be amazed. Help us to have those kinds of moments this week as we lean in and see what you are up to. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.